You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good morning. Got a woo up here on the front. That's what I'm talking about. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Amen. Who said it? Double blessed is who you are. Yeah, I was sitting in the first service. I'm like, food might have been bad, but the Cowboys won. So our food wasn't bad. Our food was great. Um, yeah, I don't know. watch out. My wife cooks so much food. She'll be having me after service. Oh, man, what a great day. Uh, so thankful that you had come to church um, on a holiday weekend. It's such a good thing. Um, my name's Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here of Renew Life Church Midland, and we're just really honored that you would join us. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we want to tell you welcome. Church family, would you welcome any first-time guests in the room? Thank you so much for coming. Pray that you are blessed today by uh, the worship. Obviously, our worship team is amazing, incredible. It's so cool to see talent and uh, anointing clash and all of those things, so super amazing. Um, yeah, super honored just to get to share with you this morning. Um, um, yeah, first service was, was really great. Uh, I believe that God is moving significantly on our behalf, and uh, I'm gonna share a message today entitled, The Greatest Gift. Uh, the greatest gift, so fitting for a holiday season. Um, but um, if you're new to Renew Life Church, you should know that uh, we have a church in Lubbock, and we have obviously this church here in Midland. Um, and so Braden Connor, he was with us last week. We had an incredible guest, sir, guest speaker last week as well. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you, go back and listen to the message. They were amazing. Uh, some super incredible things were just spoken over our church, released over our church, and uh, really cool. But it was awesome to have Brendan Leanne with us as well, our senior pastors. They've been on uh, a sabbatical for uh, two and a half months, which has been really, really good for them, energizing to them. Uh, really, the purpose of sabbatical was to recharge. Uh, they've been going hard. I think it was, it's for 17 years with basically just a vacation here and there. And so it's super amazing to have a church and a church family uh, and a church structure and organization and leaders around that could say, you can leave for a while and everything will be okay. And so they entrusted us and uh, we haven't sunk it yet, so that's good. Um, we are winning and Jesus is alive. Um, but it's been really, really fun. And, and it was really great to have them have them here uh, with us last week. Braden, he made a comment, and I wanna start my message off with this comment, but as, as he was talking about his sabbatical and going on sabbatical, he and Leanne, uh, he made this statement. He, he said, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to take a break. I don't feel burnt out. I don't feel like I'm running on fumes. Uh, my mind doesn't feel clouded. Um, but he said, you know, uh, I was instructed that you don't take a car in for an oil change once it starts smoking. Amen. You do that prior to, right? Uh, so many of our vehicles are equipped with incredible things now. Like there's even this uh, thing in a new vehicle that really freaked me out. Uh, when you start to swerve slightly, it tells you to take a rest and it shows you a picture of a coffee cup. I'm like, what is even happening right now? 
But our cars have so many different warning signs on them to alert us that, hey, you should probably pay attention to something. And a lot of times uh, the light that comes on is the maintenance needed light. It's that one that always is on your screen and then you, if you're like me, you, you just cancel that so that you can actually see the things that you wanna see. And then you don't do anything about that light until you're gonna go on a trip. And then it's like, oh, I should probably have my oil change. I should probably service my vehicle because I'm going on a trip. Am I the only one in the room? I didn't, I didn't think I was. Um, but they tell, us, they tell us that we need to pay attention to the inward parts of our vehicle because they actually need attention. That's exactly what these warning lights do. And uh, for those of you that, that, that sometimes have the, the check engine light, an engine is the thing that's under the hood. So if you pop the hood, there's this thing under there if you don't know what that is, it's, it's that big block and it, you can check your blinker fluid that's right next to it. If you go back and you search, you search blinker fluid from my vehicle after the service, do us all a favor, hand over your keys because you don't need to be driving. Your car does not take, blink, take blinker fluid. Uh, if you're like Kyle Doan, he's our young adults pastor, he would call you a weapon of mass destruction if that is the way that you drive and think about vehicles. Uh, no. I wanna share this, this thought today uh, of kind of taking us as a church into the maintenance shop to basically have a, a slight bit of a tune-up. It doesn't mean that we're, we're operating in an incorrect way. In fact, we're, we're actually experiencing some of the most amazing things that I've experienced at Renew Life Church in terms of like outpouring of God and, and God moving and God doing significant things. And uh, daily and weekly, we're hearing stories of God just moving in, in ways that uh, are, are, are interesting from someone being provided a washer and dryer when they needed one to someone being healed or someone getting a, a word that changes their life forever, God is moving in some very, very strong, unique ways, in ways that in which have been prophesied over our church, things that we've been praying into our church. We're actually seeing these things happen regularly. Like God is actually seeing that his word come to pass in our church, because he's faithful. And I, I, I'm recognizing this, I'm seeing this, uh, and I, I want us to make sure that in the midst of all of these things, that we keep the main thing the main thing. In the midst of seeing heaven come to earth in every area of life, which is our vision statement, in the midst of seeing God do incredible things, I want us to make sure as a church body that yes, we're celebrating and, 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 and being thankful and grateful for what God is doing, but then also we're keeping the main thing the main thing. And the greatest gift that I wanna talk about today is this, the, this gift of love. And so we're gonna dive into this. I'm gonna pray first. I wanna share some thoughts with you. Uh, so Father, I thank you uh, for every person in this room. I thank you, Father, for their courage and their faith. Uh, I pray that we would ignite and unite our faith together, Father. Uh, and in, in that unity, Lord, you would spark something uh, within us, God, that would shift things in this season, in this holiday season. I pray, Father, that you would come upon us as hearers, you would come upon us as speaker, uh, as the speaker that, that as I preach and as I share your word, it would fall upon ears that are open and ready to receive. And Lord, I, I just ask you humbly that if I say anything that is not of you, that they would be forgotten and that you would amplify any words that come straight from you, Lord. Our heart, 
Our desire is that you would be lifted up and you would be glorified in our lives, in our church, in our preaching, and in our hearing. And we thank you for shifting us into new places and new seasons in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, For the last six months or so, I've had the pleasure of getting to meet with a leadership coach, which is really, really fun. This guy is an incredible guy, light years beyond uh, so many of the ways in which I think. Uh, He oversees, as an executive pastor, oversees a church of 30,000 people, uh, a staff of over 600 people. So to say that he can think on a high level is an understatement. Uh, His circles of thinking run circles around my circles of thinking. And so... Uh, It was just an amazing time of meeting with this man. I got to meet with him once a month for six months, but he said something in the last meeting that we had a few weeks ago that has just stayed with me, kind of rattled me a little bit. It's just one of those statements that just stayed with me. He said this. He said, Cody, you have to remember one thing in all of your leading. The act of ministry never changes. The act of ministry never changes, and if you wanted to... simplify the definition of ministry, you could just say ministry is the act of attending to someone else's cares. The act of attending to someone else's cares. And he said that that act, the act of ministry, it never changes. If you think about this concept in the uh, context of like a shepherd, Uh, A shepherd takes his flock, moves his flock, leads his flock of sheep in such a way that they're always put in the best position to receive care. They're always led to the best grasses and the best fields so that they could consume the, the best food and graze the best land. A good shepherd would also make sure that he led those sheep to uh, the cleanest water that was possible because it was going to build up the inward parts of the herd. The herd becomes stronger when they receive care really, really well and when they're cared for really, really well. He leads them in the places where when they lay down, they're in a place of protection and the places of rest. He does all of these things because this flock has been trusted entrusted to him and he's actually taking ownership of them. We've heard scriptures like Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 and 13, it says this. It says, what do you think if a man has 100 sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that was straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that didn't go astray. Each and every sheep was valuable and each and every sheep has value in the eyes of the shepherd. There's this genuine ownership that that comes forth. And we've talked about this multiple times, but the moment that you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything about your life became you living on a mission to advance the kingdom of God. Everything about your life, the moment that you stepped into the saving knowledge of Jesus and received everything that he did for you and you exchanged your old life for his new life, everything about your new life is spiritual. You are a part of a large body of believers who has a part to play. Your part might look different than every other part, but you have been given a part. We've all been dealt and given a ministry, and that ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 and 19, you can turn in your Bible or you can look on the screen, but it says this, now all 
things are of God. Meaning, now that you have received Jesus, all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, this is what it is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Meaning, you have a ministry, I have a ministry, and our ministry is to always be pointing people back to the Father. It's exactly what Jesus did his whole ministry. It's what it's even talking about right now, right here in this. He said he was in Christ, reconciling people back to himself. Your purpose and my purpose is to constantly be pointing people to the Father. So my reason for pulling us into the maintenance shop this morning is not because we're doing something wrong, but I simply, I don't want us to elevate the gifts or tools of ministry above the motivation for which we minister from. And that motivation is love. I, I wanna make sure that we uh, don't switch the wires, so to speak. I hear so much talk, and I love this, but I hear so much talk about gifting and the gifts. What is my gift? This is my gift, what is your gift? I'm here so that I can use my gift. When do I get to serve so that I can use my gift? Will you tell me what my gift is? When do I get to use it? Like we, there's a lot of talk about giftings and, and I want you to understand like we fully believe in the giftings of God. We fully believe in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit come upon you and that you operate in a gift of healing or a gift of words of knowledge or, or faith or whatever that is, generosity but I want us to pay attention to the idea that we don't switch and put gifts before purpose or gifts before fuel. There's this idea that gifts are, are given so that ultimately we could use those gifts to reconcile someone back to the Father. That's the purpose of the gift. It's not to elevate me, it's not to elevate you, it's to actually put you in closer proximity to the heart of God for your life. A word of knowledge or a prophetic word is meant for you to actually understand that, that God of the universe is thinking about you in that exact moment. When someone gives you a word and it's like very, very detailed and it's very, very accurate to your life, and they don't know anything about you, what you should be hearing through your ears is that God is actually speaking to you through a person because he's the only one that knows it. It's designed that we would help people come into this saving knowledge of Jesus. And even the word saved in the New, in the New Testament, this Greek word is the Greek word sozo, which literally means to save, to deliver, to make whole, to heal, and to restore. So our purpose goes beyond, let me put you in a position to pray a prayer and receive Jesus. It's actually, let me walk with you long enough that you're reconciled in such a way that you actually are delivered from the way that you used to think, and you're brought into a brand new way of thinking. It's let me walk with you long enough to help you restore some areas of your life where you deal with fear so that you walk into the peace that surpasses all understanding. There's the, 
There's more to our ministry of reconciliation than let me just plop you down right here, get you saved, prayer, prayer, and let me walk away from you. There's a discipleship process that allows us to enter into what the scripture talks about in this idea of sozo, complete healing, wholeness, newness, and the list goes on. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, it says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So I am to desire a spiritual gift, but I am to be in active pursuit of love. And the reason we're having this conversation, like I said, is not because we've done something wrong, I simply just wanna make sure that as we're pressing into the Lord and as we're uh, expecting and believing and having heaven kind of invade earth like Jesus told us that we could pray when he taught the disciples, when we're having all of these things happen, I'm having this conversation with you, we're having this conversation so that we don't get these two things crossed, so that we don't move into the place uh, as a church or individual believers where my heart is that I am uh, desiring love, but my pursuit is for my gifting. That I hope to someday fall in love with people, but really right now I wanna hone in on my gift of a word of knowledge. We just have to pay attention that we don't put the thing that is the motivation uh, behind uh, the actual gift. When my heart is on and full of love for you, that is the moment that my gifting is utilized in a way that God gets glory. When my heart is not for you, and I utilize my gift, it is so that I get glory, so that I feel good about the thing that I have a lack of, which is love. First Corinthians 14, 12, it says this. Even so you, since you are so zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Such a good word. One of my favorite scriptures in all of First uh, Corinthians 14 that, that literally talks about the benefits of the giftings. But this one, it brings me back to center. This one levels the playing field. It's like, hey, it's so great that you're zealous and it's so great that you're pressing into your gifting. It's so great that you're operating in these things and discovering all of these things. Just make sure that it's for them that you're seeking to excel. I would say it like this. If it's not for them, it's probably not for him, which means it's for you as it pertains to you needing to utilize your gifting. When you have to use your gift, but the gift, and you're the only one that knows, maybe I've been in the season like I was in before, but I knew that outwardly I could exercise my gifting, maybe it was prophetic or it was a word of knowledge, could be a room of four people if I had a word of knowledge, uh, there was a really, really good chance that one of the people in the room was dealing with the thing that I was talking about. It was, it's always been something that the Lord has allowed to be very accurate in my life, which is really great. But there was a season 
when that would happen and someone would say, man, that was amazing. Outwardly, I was humble. Inwardly, I was a ravenous pride lion. I'm celebrating myself inside. Now, I mean, just loving myself. Out here, though, oh, God is good. So thankful that he uses me. Just hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Inward, oh, you freaking crushed it, Cody. Oh, my gosh. How accurate was that word that you gave? Did you even hear yourself? Wow. Like, it's the typical picture of an iceberg. 10% above the water, 90% below. And what was below my surface in this area was a lot of pride. What was above the surface was false humility, which is also pride. Robert Morris was telling a story of a guy that he knows that was singing in a Christian concert. Robert Morris is a pastor of a church in South Lake, Texas, a small church called Gateway. And uh, <laughs> it's a huge church, it's an incredible church. He was telling this story about this guy that was singing in this Christian concert and the guy's like, gets off stage and uh, a gentleman approaches him on the front and he's like, man, that was incredible. And he goes, oh yeah, it was all God. And he's like, hold on a second, I didn't say it was that good. just a little sting right there. But we can get so into this like cycle of, well, bless God, so good out here, but inside I have to pay attention to what is my inner things, what are the inner parts of me actually feeling, actually saying, what are they celebrating? Because my fuel should always be reverted back to love. Even so, since you are so zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. If it's not for them, then it's not for him, which means it's for you. And my design and your design is to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not to be Jesus, stealing glory. I heard a guy say it like this. He said, if you, if you have God impress upon you to share a word with someone, and you're obedient in that, and you go share the word with the person, but their response to the word that you gave them out of obedience doesn't move them the way that you hoped it was going to move them, and it negatively impacts you, the one who is just being obedient, you should ask yourself the question, whose glory was it for that I even had to share the word in the first place? Was it for mine? Or was it for God's that I was just being obedient he gave me a word, I gave them the word. Whatever they did with the word doesn't matter. My position was give them the word. But if it negatively destroys me, I could probably really quickly, and I use this all the time in my own life, as an indicator of whose kingdom am I building? And what is below my waterline? I am doing my best all of the time to try to make sure that more of me is exposed than 10%. And I do that, hopefully, with this pureness where I'm like, Lord, if there's anything in me that is not kingdom, I don't want it in there. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. Uh, I'm gonna read out the New King James Version. It says this, when the son of, this is Jesus speaking, uh, so red letters in the Bible, which are always, pay attention to those. 
This is not somebody else's uh, take on what Jesus said, this is Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then you will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and he gave me no food. I was thirsty and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, assuredly I say to you, and as much as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. If it's not for them, it's probably not for them, which means it's for you. And the way that you treat people really matters. Scripture proves that. One of the things that um, that leadership coach mentioned after he made the statement of the act of ministry never changes. He said, he followed it up with this. He said, Cody, you have to live like this. The next person that you encounter is the most important person on the earth. The very, very next person that you encounter when you leave this room is the most important person on the earth. That's how you keep the act of ministry alive. That's how you keep the act of ministry in an unchanging state. You treat the very next person as the single most important person on the earth. This means for me and you that I end my phone call before I walk up to the cashier to check out at the grocery store or the gas station. If I'm talking to you, just look straight ahead. Just smile. It means that you actually pull your AirPods out of your ears and you engage with the person that's standing in front of you. This is fun. But this is, this is a way in which we get to utilize this word and say you're the single most important thing in the world right now. It means that when I place an order I look at my waitress or my waiter in the eyes. It means that I treat them like a person while they're serving me because actually, as a born again Christian, 
I'm serving them too. If we choose to live in these ways, we will keep ministry in the right perspective and we will keep the motivation for our ministry in the right place. And that motivation is love. Questions that we should ask ourselves on a daily, moment by moment basis, even in the people that live in your house. Do I value the person that's standing in front of me? Or is my value for the person based on what I'm going to walk away with from this conversation? Do I place value on you like I place value on our senior pastor, Braden? Do I have value? Are you valuable enough to get my undivided attention? Is the person checking you out in the drive-through worth you making eye contact and saying thank you 100% every single time? Doesn't matter if your order's wrong or right. The thing is, is they might not be hungry for food and they might not be thirsty for water, but they might be hungering, they might be thirsting for someone to actually notice that they're a person. You might be the one person that asks them in an entire day, how are you? How's your day going? Thank you. I procrastinated on Thanksgiving. Anybody else? Thank you for not making me alone. And I went to H-E-B looking for a pot to fry a turkey on Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> and the Lord shined down on me and there was a pot. But in the midst of this, like there's a lot of people, you know, I wasn't the only one, there's a lot of people in the, in the place and this one lady in particular, like th that worked at H-E-B and I never go to the new H-E-B because I don't know where anything is there. You know, like it's, it's further to go to the old one, but it's faster because I know where the things are. And I just had that look of puzzled bewilderment, like where are the things here? And she's like, can I help you with something? And I was like, at that point I had found a pot and I was just looking to make sure that there weren't other pots of different sizes that I needed. And uh, I was like, no, I'm good, thank you. And I was like, how are you? How's your day going? Like, thanks for working today. And it literally was like someone had spoken to her for the first time the whole day. I just took a couple of seconds, five, 10 seconds, for a very, very quick engagement that I could tell instantly lifted her of a place of, I'm just having to be here. And we have the opportunity to do this all of the time. One of the things about ministry is ministry doesn't always mean that you have to have something to say. Sometimes you don't actually have to fix the person while you're ministering. It's just this act of listening and praying without having to have the answer to their solution. Maybe the answer is, will you just let me talk? I've heard it said multiple ways, you've probably heard it said other ways, but the, 
the, the loudest message that I ever heard wasn't the one that was spoken, it was the one that I could see. I think about so many things as it pertains to like the kingdom and my relationship with the Lord and how we work all these things together. I think about so many of these things through um, my kids and the way that I relate to my kids, the way that my kids relate to, to me. And oftentimes in ministry, just like children, all you have to do is just be present. It doesn't matter what they're doing with you as long as you're doing it with them and they're not the only ones engaged. They don't need you to say something profound. They don't need you to give them some earth-shattering revelation about their life at the age of six. Because all they want to know is can they have it, whatever it is. And you've probably already told them no four times. But their persistence, they just have this ability to just keep on knocking. Keep on seeking, keep on asking, but they're just wanting to know, are you present? It's all about, can I be present in ministry? They ask this question, is my mommy or daddy present in the moment? Does my mommy or daddy, do they want to be in this moment with me? And is this life of faith, is it even real? And I propose to you that the child on the inside of each and every single one of us, as it grows and as it moves through life and as it connects with people, it's asking the same question. Is this person present in my conversation? Your wife is asking herself, men, is he present in this conversation? And vice versa. We're asking, do they even care to be in this moment with me? And they also are wondering, is the thing that they've been telling me about concerning faith even real? Because I'm not sure if I'm seeing it or not. That's what the child I believe is saying in all of us. I simply don't want us to move into a place where we're top heavy, where we're built like Dwayne The Rock Johnson above the waist and we're built like Big Bird below the waist, right? I said in the first service, there's two L's that you can't skip. Leg day and love. Don't skip those. If you do, you will be top heavy. If you pursue your gift and you desire love, you will be Dwayne The Rock Johnson on top and Big Bird on the top and one leg kick and you go down. I'm gonna end it with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 13, it says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could move mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. That's not puffed up. Doesn't behave rudely. Doesn't seek its own. 
It is not provoked, it thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Verse eight, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The holiday season obviously is upon us. It's in full swing. It's a time of hustle and busyness and craziness for some. It's a time of laughter. For others, it's a time of despair and trial and challenge and regret and loneliness. But for us, as people who live on purpose, as people who live with intention, as people who are ministers of the gospel of Jesus, that's every person in the room. It's a time where we get to actually notice people. We get to make a decision, then we get to act. We get to actually put love on display in this season, in every season. But I think in this season, it is enhanced simply because there are so many more people reaching out in this season in despair and in hopelessness, that you actually hold the one thing that the world needs that shifts everything, and it's Jesus. There's a season that we're in right now where we get to shift the narrative for so many people of what the holidays even mean. And far be it from us to be so beyond love that we miss people and we make it about us. It's not who we are, it's not who you are, it's not who I am, it's not what we're doing. I'm just wanting us to make sure that we're balanced and we're not top heavy. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.